The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the Rebellion, and may the Force be with you. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Apartment Rebels podcast. So on today's podcast, I am excited to have Mindy Johnson, a founder and wellness coach at Limitless U Coaching. I'm really excited to have Mindy because um, she has spent over 23 years in the apartment industry. Her last role was as the VP of property management at Selbine Company. And then Mindy decided to leave to start her own uh, coaching business. So really excited about this episode to dive into uh, apartment employee wellness, uh, the challenges that property uh, managers face, and then some ways that corporate teams can really help support their team members and hopefully reduce the issues that the industry currently has with retention and other things. Um, so Mindy, welcome. Thank you, Jude. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, cool. So I am curious how you got into property management. And the reason why I ask is because I have yet to meet someone that grew up thinking that, hey, I want to be a, I want to be a property manager. So I'm curious. I'm hoping that you are that unicorn that's like, hey, when I was a little girl, I always wanted to be a property manager. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not the unicorn in this instance. Um, but yeah, it was I fell into it by accident. Um, I was an employment specialist for people with disabilities. <clears throat> and my job or my boss at the time um, ended up relocating out of state with her husband. So I was out interviewing for jobs and went in to pay my rent um, in interview attire. And the manager was like, wow, Mindy, you look really nice today. What are you up to? And I said, yeah, looking for a job. And she said, really? <laughs> so that's how it all started. I started as a floating leasing consultant. Um, three months after that, I had my first assistant manager position. And three months after that, I had my first property manager position. Oh, wow. So you rose very quickly. Very so quickly. Besides the interview outfit, what do you think she saw in you about you that made her think that you would be really good for the industry? So probably my charisma, I would mm -hmm. say. I am super outgoing, um, speak to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for a leasing consultant, that energy is is what we as managers look for, right? We want someone who's going to be able to, because people don't rent, you know, a box is a box. An apartment mm -hmm. is an apartment. People rent from the person, not because of the apartment. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So you spent a few years in property management and really rose the ranks. So I know you were um, at AHM for a few years and then went to Dow Equity, uh, Equities and then ended at a selling company as a regional manager and then went up uh, to the VP of property operations roles. So a lot of really uh, great experience. 
So what were some of the things that um, kind of got you up every day about being a property management that got you really excited? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the impact, the impact I was able to have on my teams. Um, I am a huge I'm super passionate about all things leadership, company culture, employee engagement, and just really people development. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really what kept me going. Um, Along with my own personal development in the industry, you know, I did rise the ranks and and continue to develop myself personally, which was also very invigorating for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent. So looking at your time in property management, uh, what made you decide to want to leave the industry? Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, So, you know, I had everyone's definition of success. I had Mm -hmm. the title, the income. um, And because of my passion for leadership, employee engagement, company culture, I realized that I I had an opportunity to have more of an impact Mm -hmm. outside of the corporate realm. Um, You know, we we can have all of these leadership guidelines or principles Mm -hmm. of leadership in in a corporation. But if those principles of leadership are not consistently followed through Mm -hmm. all departments from the very top all the way down, they're going to have an adverse impact on the culture. And that's what I was continually seeing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, I consider myself to be a proponent for change. So um, I took that leap of faith and, and stepped into my coaching realm um, December of 2020. And I do still do a lot of work with leaders in the industry. I'm just not bound by those corporate restraints anymore. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So for you, um, just kind of taking a step back, like what made you so successful in the industry? So for people that are either jumping into property management or at a point in their career that they are really looking to make that leap, whether it's from a site team member to corporate or something else, what do you see as like the keys to being like a successful uh, property manager? Um being open to learning, um, open to learning new things. My, I have a super high drive, um, you know, I <clears throat> super high drive for um, success. And I just have an insatiable work ethic, which, you know, I realized after taking a step back and getting out of the industry that that can be to your de- detriment if you are not aware of how much you are giving without mm-hmm. replenishing your own cup, right? Without filling your own cup back up. So, but that drive and just my, I'm, I I was very coachable. I had a desire to succeed and I, I really loved the fact that we are, you know, in the apartment industry, we're um, providing people with homes. You know, this is one of the, the major things in their life, shelter, you know, food, shelter, love that's the three quintessential items that people need and we're providing one of those yeah so while you were a site team member or even at corporate what were some of the things that uh you found to be the most stressful about the industry Mm. great question so um on the site team uh you know on site it, it it very much was 
became really clear to me or very frustrating and challenging to me when um, it seemed like, you know, regionals would come and come to the site and they'd be on their phone or their computer the whole time, not really engaging. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just felt like all that really mattered were the numbers. You know, what's the occupancy? What's your DQ? Mm -hmm. You know, where's the NOI, you know, year to date, all of those very numbers driven things. And it, and even in a corporate role, although I personally never lost sight, lost my sight perspective mm-hmm. um, and never lost perspective of what I experienced on site with my regional. I very much led my regionals or when I was a regional, I, I turned my phone off, didn't even take my laptop in. I would print the reports that I needed to, to go over and take them in mm-hmm. um, and spend engaged time with the team. I think that is such a huge part that still seems to be missing in a lot of areas. So what do you think is the reason behind that? Because I would assume if I am a regional and I go on site, that my attention is going to be across the board for uh, not just the numbers, but looking at how the team as a whole is doing and where can I help where they are struggling. So why do you think there is a disconnect between that type of leadership and what is typically there? Yeah. So um, I happen to think that the regional role is probably the most difficult role Mm -hmm. in property management and it's one of the most crucial roles. So I think the reason, the reason why there's that disconnect is because we overload the regionals with, you know, either too many, too many properties, too much reporting, um, micromanagement from their supervisors. Mm. And they, they feel like they, if they do don't, if they don't stay connected to their phone or their emails, they're going to be in trouble Mm. (laughs) for missing something important. And they just have this constant pressure on them. Um, to stay stay connected rather than being engaged with with the people that are making the most impact. Mm-hmm. So then, where do you think this stats are then? So it seems like you have the site team members that feel like, hey, my regional really isn't paying attention when they come on site, but it's not because the regional is being malicious. It's because the regional is facing additional pressure from up top. So where? Mm-hmm. Does it start and where should it, who should change this type of culture? Up top. It absolutely has to come from the top. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the portfolios that the regionals are given need to be geographically sound. So, I mean, for example, you know, when I was a regional um, and even when I had regionals, you know, some of their properties were four hours apart. So they're literally spending four hours of windshield time. Hmm. Right. And then there could be it, it just they didn't geographically make sense. And then, you know, to overload regionals with, you know, 15 to 23 different properties, even oh, wow. if they are smaller properties, mm-hmm. the reporting is is the same. Um, so then ideally, does it make sense for regionals to always go on site or is there a future where... Okay regionals can be as effective without really going on site? 
Yeah, I, I believe they they absolutely can. You know that there there is a way that you can genuinely connect virtually, um, but you have to be super present and make sure you're intentional about mm-hmm. connecting. Um, if you're just having a meeting for the sake of having a meeting or having an inspection for the sake of having an mm-hmm. inspection without being intentional about the connection, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then so looking at um, some of the other challenges in the industry all around like mental health, what would you say is the state of employee wellness or mental health in the apartment industry compared to like other industries? So even before the pandemic, um, the state of mental wellness in the apartment industry is extremely volatile. Um, it, you know, with everything that the site teams have to to deal with, with resident issues, um, to all of the pressures from their supervisors, to the pressure of the regional role and 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 all above, um, it's extreme. You know, and the amount of hours we put in and we're expected to put in. Um, in order to, you know, be successful. So it's, it's extreme burnout. It's, you know, feeling disconnected. Um, and the culture is just not where it could be in general in the apartment industry. So you mentioned uh, a few things, the pressure from residents and other things. Like what do you see are like the key, I would say like three things that leads to the most amount of stress? Is it just the amount of work that is put on the plates, Or like, what are some of those things that is driving uh, this level of stress in the industry? Yeah, I would say it's the, the, um, the level of work um, because, you know, it, and the variant, there's no two days that are ever going to be the same. So what, what corporate may fail to realize is they have all of these requirements that, you know, and deadlines, but there could be a resident issue that happens on site. Um, and there's really extreme things that happen on site, right? We've all been, or not all, but a lot of us have been witness to suicides in our units, um, you know, fights in the parking lot, all of the different things that we can experience. And yet those deadlines are still there. They're, they're not going to be forgiven. Um, so it's that pressure. And then we have in a, innately for high achieving people we put all of the additional pressure on ourselves on top of it so how do you think leadership can change that so if ideally you could wave a magic wand and the industry instantly improves like what are those core changes you think need to happen whether it's three four five or whatever number of things like if you could define those, like what are the key things you see that could be fixed? Yeah, absolutely. So really having um, an initiative around um, self-awareness, mental wellness, um, a coaching program. And I, I'm not just saying that because I am a coach now, but I have seen the power of the difference that coaching can make for individuals as well as leaders um, because, you know, <clears throat> We tend to start viewing things based on certain, perceive things based on certain lenses. And just being aware that you can be at choice of the lens you want to perceive things through rather than it being by default 
is, is huge for the for your mental wellness um, because we internal we tell ourselves all these stories about what different things can mean and how we should react and how we should show up and just starting to really lessen that inner dialogue which is what you know my mental my multifamily mental fitness program starts to establish opens you up for happiness not just in your career but in all facets of life. So then what else from a leadership perspective? So if I am a VP, a CEO of a property management company, what are some of those concrete things that I can put in place to help my teams be more effective, feel more connected, or feel less stressed out? Yeah, so um, having consistent um consistent leadership principles in place that everyone, you know, everyone is walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Um, because that's that's usually the thing we have these this mission, vision statement, and it sounds good on paper, but nobody is actually or not not everyone is consistently walking the walk. Um, and, and that encourages team. Um, get people involved, get people engaged. Um, you know, when people feel involved, when they feel listened to, when they feel heard, they are more inclined to feel like they're part of part of the whole. And when they feel like they're part of the whole, they want to contribute more. And money isn't always the answer. Money is uh, can be a motivator for some. And even when it is a motivator, it's a short-lived motivator. Mm-hmm. Whereas initiatives that are long-lasting, you know, additional training, um, development, all of those things that are long lasting are such wonderful initiatives. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, really being careful for regional, you know, for the multi-site, even if it's an area manager, being mm-hmm. being mindful of the ge- geography that they're responsible for, as well as the load that they're responsible for. Got it. And then, so when you think about the industry as a whole, like what are some things that you think uh, the the industry gets wrong about what employees actually want? I know you mentioned one, which is like money, but what are some other things that you think uh, leadership gets wrong about what like site team members want? Yeah, so money is a big one. And then, you know, I I think, um, I think site team, I think, they have it wrong where they feel like, you know, site teams don't, aren't able to contribute in really meaningful ways. They're the ones boots on the ground. They know their properties the the best, you know, listen to the ideas that they have. Um, I've been with, you know, a part of many companies that didn't even involve the managers in the budget process. Hmm. they're the ones that know, you know, and, and having them excluded from those really big type of events also sends a, a very clear message that, you know, you don't belong almost. And I don't think that that's the message we want to send to our teams. Yeah. So what, what do you think is the reasoning behind that? Not listening to the site teams who, like you said, are the people that know the property the best and know the residents the best. And then that ultimately know what is going to impact uh, our resident experience or impact resident engagement or renewals of turnover. Um, I think it's twofold. I think um, one is is time. Mm-hmm. 
So um, instead of really listening and actively listening to what the site teams are saying, you know, when we're on, when you may be on site or on a phone call, you're thinking about what the next meeting is, Mm -hmm. what this owner wants, what that owner wants. I I come from, I've had a lot of experience with third-party ownership. So, and several different owners that I had to report to. So that was, you know, so it's that and um, really discounting their ability to be, to have answers. Mm -hmm. So if I am a site team member and I have all these like great ideas for what could be done to improve the property or improve the resident experience or something else, how do I speak up? How do I advocate if leadership at that point hasn't made it easy for me to speak up? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. Um, you know, if if you have if you are within an organization that has a, you know, anonymous helpline, anonymous tip line, you know, reaching out that way, perhaps reaching out to to HR. Um, you know, always if you're, they, and that's another thing. The apartment industry is so huge on the change of command, chain of command, mm-hmm. but. That being said, you know, the pro, you know, employees should feel like they're able to get what they need from their supervisors and not feel like they have to jump the chain of command. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. And then um, for you, kind of thinking about the next two or three years in the industry, and it sounds like you are still involved in some ways in the industry with your coaching business specific to property managers. Uh, what would you say are one to three predictions that you have for the industry over the next like two to three years? Um, so what I see a huge, um, a huge problem or challenge with maintenance um there are not this new generation of workforce is not wanting you know you don't see the new generation of maintenance technicians coming along along the line so i've I've been witness to some pretty specific programs you know where you know, say, for example, you get an entry-level groundskeeper or a porter type position and then partnering with a community college mm-hmm. to get them then trained in the more technical skills. So we are able to establish that next generation of maintenance technicians. Mm-hmm. And unless ideas like that and, you know, continuing to think outside the box, we are not going to have service technicians to be able to maintain our apartments. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, definitely agree. And I know that's come up a lot with a few people that I've spoken to, just um, the challenge with recruiting maintenance, keeping them, saying there is such a huge shortage in it. Yeah. And and there's a lot of a lot of times, especially in small in for smaller apartment communities where there's only one maintenance technician, they and they're only one there are the only one in that geographic area, they're on call 24 hours, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Where is the balance there then for their life and their mental wellness? There isn't. Yeah. That's got to change too. And then, so to kind of wrap up, looking at where you fall into that, how does your business help properties or property managers? Yeah. So my business, um, 
you know, the, the multifamily mental fitness um, six-week program that I do does um, really work on mental wellness, and it gives very tactical processes that people can start doing to, um, it's kind of a rewiring of some mental processes, as well as building an alternate mental muscle to be able to deal with the, the chaos that just naturally occurs in multifamily housing. So that's a huge initiative. And then I also am, am doing some core leadership dynamics training for leaders in multifamily industry. Awesome. Well, Mindy, this was really good having you on the podcast. And I completely agree with the huge need to really drive uh, wellness, mental health in the industry and really make sure that site teams' voices are being heard and they are not being dismissed from the conversation. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jude. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed it.